Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? <clears throat> it is yours truly, TJ Jones. And yes, I am the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you all so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. Uh, Shouts out to everybody here. Uh, much love to you. Really do appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for stopping by. Uh, on this edition, we're going to be talking about uh, some of the moves um, the Saints uh, we'll be possibly thinking about making uh, after the 2022 season. Now, we all know that the Saints last week, unfortunately, were, were eliminated from playoff contention. And um, this game versus the Carolina Panthers is basically just uh, bragging rights, you know, until the next season. We know that the Carolina Panthers beat the Saints uh, the first time they played them in Carolina. And the Saints are going to finish up in the dome uh, versus the Carolina Panthers. And, uh, you know, both teams are really playing, um, you know, inspired football right now. I mean, Steve Wilkes has the Carolina Panthers playing inspired. Uh, Dennis Allen uh, has the Saints on a little bit of a winning streak. So got to give credit where uh, credit is due with that. Um, but, you know, the free agency uh, market is going to be open. Um, there are a lot of guys that are part of the New Orleans Saints roster that may not find themselves on the team uh, next year. And we're going to be discussing that. Uh, on this episode uh shouts out to everybody that's here uh shouts out to everybody that took part in yesterday's show uh, it was very very uh informative uh, a lot of people uh chimed in you know a lot of perspectives uh were had um shouts out to the buffalo bills fans that uh you know that inboxed me and uh, messaged me talk about how much they enjoyed it and, and gave respect to not only myself but members of the who that nation those that were here yesterday uh, giving their uh, well wishes to uh, safety DeMar Hamlin. Uh, I know the Buffalo Bills uh, Mafia, uh, the Bills Mafia are, are really uh, discouraged by uh, what's going on. But if you've been following uh, what's been going on with DeMar Hamlin, uh, there's more, more positive news that has come out. Uh, Shouts out to his uncle uh, who talked to the media, uh, gave uh, everyone an update about the condition of DeMar Hamlin. Uh, it looks like, uh, you know, he's starting to, uh, you know, 
kind of turn a corner. I mean, it's still touch and go. He's still in critical condition, but nevertheless, um, you know, is is more positive news than uh, what we've seen uh, on Monday night. And I think we all can um, can truly say that we're praying for that brother's strength and um, praying for the family during this tough time. Uh, but as as we talk about uh, sports here today, um, the New Orleans Saints uh, week 18 matchup versus the Carolina Panthers. Uh, after this game, the season is over for the New Orleans Saints. And you have to wonder to yourself what's going to happen with this team. Um, I think that we all are kind of sort of coming to the conclusion that, um, you know, Dennis Allen is going to still be here as the New Orleans Saints head coach. Uh, we know that for a fact. Um Probably not uh, the best of news for some of us. Um, we feel like, you know, the New Orleans Saints probably can get something better than that. But, I mean, you can't deny the fact that he has these guys winning football games, regardless to what type of character, what type of guys you have in the locker room. Uh, he is the guy who is coaching this team. And if we're going to complain about him uh, not doing the right things uh, when the team fails, I think we just can't have it both ways, even myself. I mean, I, I went back and I've listened to a couple of shows and I I mean, I kind of stand by what I'm saying. But at the same time, if I'm going to criticize the guy for like failing and messing the team up and not being disciplined, then I guess I have to concede to say that, yeah, yeah, they playing for him, I guess. Um, I, I don't know how true that is, but they're winning and he's the coach. But um I think we all can agree that more than likely, unless something like like crazy happened, like, you know, Mickey Loomis decides to go back to Sean Payton or uh, a, a real wild card, uh, Jim Harbaugh comes close to New Orleans Saints or something, uh, Dennis Allen is most likely going to come back. But that leads to uh, these players, man. This, this leads to the players here. And, I, and right now I have a list uh, of players that are going to be uh, free agents or restricted free agents. Uh, at the end of this season. Now, um, I ask that you bear with me as I read off a couple of these names. Uh, these guys are unrestricted free agents. Uh, we got Bradley Roby, Davion Yamada, Deontay Hardy, Marcus Davenport, uh, Andy Dalton, Jarvis Landry, Mark Ingram, Shai Tuttle, PJ Williams, Tano Passanio, JT Gray, uh, Daniel Sorensen, uh, Kentavious Street, Dwayne Washington, David Johnson, Justin Evans, Ethan Greenwich, uh, Jawan Johnson, Chase Hansen is a restricted free agent along with uh, Jawan Johnson. Um, and these guys that I'm about to read are going to be restricted free agents as well. Chase Hansen, Albert Huggins, uh, Marquez Calloway. Uh, and you also have uh, some restricted free agents in Blake Gillikin, Kelvin Throckmorton, Andrew Dowell, and the under unrestricted free agent, is Caden Ellis. So those are some of the guys that are on this list. Uh, as I'm looking at this list right now, I mean, we can kind of go down the list and maybe like pull a couple guys that uh, we feel like, uh, you know, were a part of the Saints' plans to be successful in 2022. It, it probably panned out or did not pan out. Um, the first name that I'm looking at uh, on the list uh, at the top was uh, Bradley Roby. Now, Bradley Roby, uh, came via trade from the Houston Texans to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, and, you know, it, it seemed like it was a, a really good idea. Uh, it seemed like the Saints during that time well, were looking for that number two uh, cornerback. But the, the good news about it was last year, uh, Paulson Adebo uh, started to come on, and it made it really, really hard for Bradley Roby to hit the field. 
So it was a it was a good situation to be in if you are the New Orleans Saints because you had two really decent, really good cornerbacks uh, that were out there playing. So uh, they put Bradley Roby mostly in the slot. Sometimes you know had him on the outside and had Paulson Adebo starting opposite of uh, Marshawn Lattimore. You know Bradley Roby has had some ups and downs as a member of the New Orleans Saints. I have to admit, I mean he's played relatively well, and and when he wasn't out there, you can really tell. Uh, that he wasn't that he wasn't uh, out there, you know, when he didn't play, you know, and when he was out there, he made some plays as well. He's not going to knock your socks off. He's not the second coming to Darrell Revis. I mean, he's definitely not on the level of a Marshawn Lattimore, but he's a solid guy. But when you look at the Saints cornerback room, I know they got that old saying, right? Can you have enough cornerbacks in your room, especially since there's a position that guys seem to go down quite a bit? Uh, we've seen, uh, you know, Paulson Adebo, we expected much more out of him. It seemed like, you know, he, he's going through a little bit of a sophomore slump. Uh, Lante Taylor uh, has really come on, uh, really living up to that second round pick, looking more like a first round pick. But Bradley Roby gives the Saints a little bit of depth. OK, so I'm going to put a question mark over uh, by Bradley Roby's name because I really feel like, you know, the Saints can use him uh, in, in, in different ways, especially since. You know, he is a guy that you can put out there and he can make plays. And especially at a position like cornerback that guys often uh, get hurt. So I'm not I would not be upset if the Saints try to bring back Bradley Roby. But I will say this. I, I think that a guy that has won a Super Bowl, a guy that wants to be a starter and still feels like he has something to offer, maybe kind of hard for the New Orleans Saints to be able to bring him back uh, in some capacity. I think that he feels like. You know, he probably can go out here and, and get a little bit more money. And I, I also feel like, you know, the fact that he has won a Super Bowl, you know, sometimes when guys win a Super Bowl a little bit early in their career, they're not chasing uh, that Lombardi anymore. It is is mostly about going out here. You know, they, they can play for a team that's struggling, you know, as long as that team is paying them X amount of dollars. So I wouldn't be mad if the Saints bring back Bradley Roby for depth purposes, but I completely understand if they did not acquire him uh at the end of this season if they don't resign him and he goes somewhere else i would completely understand that because i mean the situation and uh you know maybe the saints decide maybe they can go in a different direction we know that alante taylor uh, has really been playing well we know that paulson adebo has been up and down throughout the season but i don't think the saints are ready to give up on him uh just yet now the only way i can look at them bringing back a guy like a Bradley Roby, if the Saints decide if they want to trade a guy like Paulson Adebo somewhere else. And now before you start laughing and making fun of it and saying, oh, it don't make no sense, nobody wants Paulson Adebo, that is not true. This guy is a, a guy that's going into his – he'll be going into his third season, and he's a guy that has started a lot of games in the National Football League. So I'm not saying he's going to be – you can you can get first-round capital for him or anything like that, but you definitely – uh, can get like maybe a, a fourth or fifth round pick, you know, for a guy like Paulson Adebo. And I know, you know, when you look at where he was drafted, it, it makes like perfect sense. Look, and I, I get it, right? Because here's the, here's the reality of, of it all. You know, like Alante Taylor has played better than Paulson Adebo. And he, he deserves, in my honest opinion, now he has to follow it up with a solid training camp. And once again, and he also has to win that battle of attrition. He he was getting injured, and that was one of the main reasons why he was sliding down the depth chart. But he has proven that he deserves to be at least in consideration to be the starter 
uh, for the New Orleans Saints opposite of Marshawn Lattimore. So but as far as Bradley Roby, I'm going to put a question mark right there. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to uh, read some of your comments and then we'll go to uh, someone else that uh, maybe uh, that kind of sticks out uh, on this list. Let's go ahead and read some of your comments. Uh, it says Roby expendable, uh, but the way uh, we get injured, I don't know. Exactly, Drew. I mean, when you look at the cornerback position, it's a position where guys get hurt more so than not, right? You know, like you, you can never have too many guys that can that can cover, you know, especially guys that can cover on the inside as well as the outside. And if you've been following the Saints for a few years, you know that normally what they would do is they'll have a guy that's a really solid slot corner, but they want, but that guy lacks when it comes to playing on the outside. Uh, case in point, P.J. Williams. P.J. Williams was a really good, decent slot corner. But when you put him on the outside, I mean, it was smoke like brisket, burnt like a biscuit. That was where that term actually came from here on the State of the Saints podcast because of his inability to play on the outside. But what the Saints have been doing and, and what I have an appreciation for is them drafting and also trading and also signing guys that can not only play in the slot, but also play on the outside. And also, shouts out to the New Orleans Saints. Also, you got to give them credit with this, is that they understand that P.J. Williams was one of the most solid tacklers in that secondary. He wasn't the fastest guy. So what did they do? They found a different lane for him and made him a safety and honestly rejuvenated his career. Because if you were following P.J. Williams, man, I mean, the narrative was not good. I mean, I was – all right. I'm going to say I just stand alone when I say this. I didn't think the guy was good enough. I mean, I, I was like, man, why the Saints keep on signing this dude back to these one-year deals? He must know where the bodies are buried. I mean, it was jokes galore about P.J. Williams. And I'm eating crow about that because now they put him in a position where he thrives and succeeds. Now, he had a little bit of a down season due to injuries. Shots out to him. He tried to uh, fight as much as he possibly can to try to get back on the field. But he is a solid safety uh, at, a, at a position, you know, where the Saints definitely desperately need uh, some really good safety play. He does a really good job out there with the tackling and also his ability to be able to cover some of those tight ends in, in, in the league. So, uh, you know, I mean, I look at, you know, the, the secondary uh, of, of teams at times. I'm like, can you have enough cornerbacks? Can you have enough safeties? That's the big question. Um, let's see. Resign Johnson for sure. Well, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later when his name uh comes up. I'm gonna go ahead and read like some of the the comments about uh people that we kind of referred to when we're talking to Bradley Roby. Sydney says, uh Adebo struggled this year, but I have faith he have a solid third year. Yeah, man. I look, I'm not one of those people where you know he has a down year, and then all of a sudden, you know, I, I don't think that he's good enough anymore. The only reason I'm bringing up this trade scenario is because of of, his, of the same thing that you're referring to, Sydney. His ability to be able to bounce back and be solid for another team. Now, this could be one of those situations where we get mad at because we watch him play, and it's one of those C.J. Garner-Johnson situations again, right? If we trade him for a fourth or fifth round pick, it's like we trade him for a bag of Doritos, as I want to say uh, Chosen said a couple episodes ago. But it has absolutely nothing to do with with my my thoughts about him being able to bounce back. I mean, this dude was dealing with a high ankle sprain uh, for a good little minute. He was going up against uh, some top corners during the time when he was trying to work himself back. 
And I think sometimes like when we see guys hit the field, we we look at them and say, okay, man, they playing, so they must be healthy. But that's not always the case. Sometimes these guys get these injections and they start to like try to fight through these injuries and they're trying to grit through, you know, try to scratch and bite and claw their way through it, but they're not all the way back there. I mean, and it's just touch and go. You know, sometimes he'll make a play, he'll make a solid tackle, and then there are other times where he get beat like he did against AJ Brown. But that's just that's just how that's just the role of the cornerback, man. I mean, it's it's one of those positions where you can become the hero and the goat. I mean, based on play. Like you can be the hero on one play and then the next one, you know, you're you know, you're the you're the goat. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't mean like in a positive way, I mean like the guy like get this bum off my field, uh type thing. You know, like so that that is a, a tough position to play, but I, I have a lot of confidence in Paulson the Debo, and I feel like he'll be able to bounce back. And um, you know, you know, I'm I'm not ready to give up on a guy yet. I, I don't I'm not buying uh that whole thing about you know him not being good enough. I just think sometimes we we're a little bit too harsh on some of these young guys. We don't give them the ability to grow and develop and be everything that they can be, and they. It takes them some time, you know, and sometimes, you know, they, they may end up getting beaten coverage. I say it all the time. Like these wide receivers get paid a lot of money to make these plays. And we've seen guys like Marshawn Lattimore, you know, I mean, be on the receiving end of a, a you know, a big reception for a team. I mean, he's one of the best. So, you know, some of these guys that's not on his level are going to get beat from time to time. See, Taylor versus Debo in training camp would be epic. Um, I don't think it'll be epic. I, I honestly think Alante Taylor gonna surpass him, and it's not because I feel like Paulson Adebo's skill set is, is not good enough. It, it, it's probably gonna. I, I will get into this a little bit deeper when I get into a conversation about a Saints player that I feel like it's time for them to let go. Um, he's on this list, and we're gonna be talking about it, and it coincides with. Uh, your comment that you just made, Derek. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that off for a second. All right. Under no circumstances should Pete come back. None. He is poo on the offensive line. Well, I don't think he's poo on the offensive line, my dog. I just think that he's always often hurt. Like uh, if you look at Andrews Pete, like as far as his ability to be able to be a run blocker, he's like one of the top run blockers at his position. Like if you're looking from an analytical standpoint, I just think that. You know, Andrews Pete constantly gets hurt. He always like seems to be having these nagging injuries that affect his play from time to time. And you'll be surprised, my dog. Like if the Saints were to trade, I seen somebody say this. I I, I wish I knew who it was because I want to give this person credit because they made a very great point. They were talking about the Arizona Cardinals and, you know, the Saints possibly making a trade with the Arizona Cardinals for Sean Payton. And the Arizona Cardinals having issues on their offensive line. Would the New Orleans Saints throw in Andrews Pete? You know, would Arizona be interested in that along with Sean Payton for the first round pick uh, of the uh, Arizona Cardinals uh, this season? And I'm like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. And I'm pretty sure they will because even though we look at Andrews Pete like he's just a bum. I'm telling you, a lot of people around NFL circles look at this dude as one of the top guards in the league. I mean, take it for what it is. I know all the time, like, we here, here's the reality of it. We only, when it comes to the offensive line, unless they're, like, doing stuff like Trevor Penning where people just kind of, like, constantly try to put it to music, you know, for the most part, the only time we're really looking at offensive line is when they do something wrong. 
And if you look at Andrews Pete from from you know from a coaching standpoint, a lot of people look at him a lot differently than we do. And you know, I, I just think that you know if, if they were to trade him, I think there'd be a lot of people that'd be lining up trying to get this dude. As crazy as that sounds, but I mean, it's, it's the truth. I mean, this dude is a this dude is like an above average guard. There's it, not too many guards out there, like you know, that you can say when it comes to run blocking and some of the things that he does that that he can't stand up against. As crazy as that may sound, I think the biggest issue we have with Andrews Pete is his his lack of toughness. Um, you know, I guess like. He's quiet. You know, he's not like a mauler, like how we can get behind a guy like a Trevor Penning because, you know, he he shows like that, 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 that animal instinct. You know what I'm saying? Like he's blocking all the way to the ground. You know what I'm saying? He's holding guys down. He's pinning them down. He's showing the level of nastiness. And you, you feel like you need that from your offensive lineman. And when a guy is quiet and reserved and you really don't see them doing too much of anything, you know, it's kind of like, man, it's, I don't know about this guy right here. So. Uh, I feel like that's probably one of the main reasons we look at Andrews P. We, we think for them to, uh, you know, should have like a nasty side to him, and he doesn't. Uh, the next uh, guy on the list is uh, defensive tackle David Ayamada. Now, David Ayamada, I will admit, took a back seat, um, you know, this this past year. Uh, he definitely didn't live up to uh, what he did back in, in 2021 uh, when he had a really good solid season coming off that suspension. He came uh, with his – with his hair on fire, basically, you know, he was out there, you know, making some really good plays. Uh, he was a, a force uh, in the middle. Once again, he, like he took a step back. And, um, you know, the Saints uh, run defense has taken a step back also. And, uh, you know, you have to look at the interior lineman. You got to look at guys like David Ayamada. You got to look at guys like Shai Tuttle. Uh, you got to look at guys like uh, Kentavious Street. I mean, you got to look at guys like Malcolm Roach. But the thing about with uh, David Ayamada, you know, he he got the three year deal a couple of years ago. He he exceeded expectation when it comes to his contract. But I know some people feel like they may need to move on from him. But I'm a little bit nervous when it comes to this because I feel like you need that seasoned veteran, uh, you know, on your team. You know, I, I look at guys like you know some of these interior linemen you know, that these teams have kept around a little bit too long. Like, uh, for example, Geno Atkins. I mean, he had some really good seasons. And Cincinnati kind of kept them around until, you know, the, the other interior linemen, the young bulls, uh, start to become, uh, you know, big bulls. And all of a sudden, here comes Geno Atkins. They decide to move on from him, right? They move on from him. And, uh, you know, I feel like it kind of would be the same way with David Ayamada. Like, I don't think that Shai Tuttle is the answer. I don't think that Malcolm Roach is the answer. And I don't think Kentavious Street, even though he shows little flashes, I don't think that he's the answer. But I do think that whatever you decide to do, and I feel like the Saints need to address this in the draft, and, I, and I'm serious, man. If the Saints were to use a second-round pick, let's just say, for example, things work out with the Sean Payton thing and they go into the second round, I would not be upset if they were to draft in a, a lineman uh, interior lineman I, I would not be like if they find that right guy they feel like can go uh, on the opposite side of Dave Ayamada um, I feel like you should draft them that is the direction because they really need some help on the in the interior and if you're going to not re-sign Dave Ayamada you have to go out here and find somebody that is better than he is and it's not too many guys I have to look at the free agency list when it comes to the the, uh, the interior lineman 
And uh, feel free for anybody that may be, you know, not be busy right now to look up free agents that's going to be interior linemen that you feel like would be a good fit for the Saints if they were to move on from Ayamada. You do not move on from Dave Ayamada unless you find somebody that can give you a little bit more. And I'm not saying equivalent. I'm talking about a little bit more than what he can actually give you. But uh, if I'm the New Orleans Saints, I'm trying to find ways to try to resign him even if it's to a, like a two-year deal or something like that, because, you know, you need that veteran uh, leadership uh, on that interior line. Uh, guys like Shad Tuttle and Malcolm Roach, I feel like, you know, uh, they may they may not re-sign uh, Shad Tuttle, but you still have Malcolm Roach. I didn't see him on the list. So you might find yourself, um, you know, having to rely on a guy like a Malcolm Roach and keep a veteran uh, like David Ayamada. Let me go ahead and read some of your comments. Uh, let's see. Uh, Anyamata gets double teamed a lot. If, if that's the case, then you know, you know, the other guy has to be winning that matchup. They, they got to be winning that matchup, and that's one of the m- biggest issues that I have. If you was to draft a guy that can be, you know, that that force in the middle, or you can find uh, an interior lineman that can be a force alongside David Anyamata, then they cannot afford to double team him. It's because of the lack of. Uh, you know, the, the lack of production, you know what I'm saying? The, the lack of, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, I guess like when it comes to Malcolm Roach and Shy Tuttle, it's like none, none of those guys really like fear them, right? It's like, okay, man, we'll just put them one-on-one here because somebody blocked them and they ain't going to do nothing. But this dude right here is the one that we really need to worry about. So that's what that's what I feel like, you know what I'm saying? You're not, you're not they're not getting – any type of penetration at all, you know, right? So David Ayamada is the one that can get uh, levels of penetration, you know what I'm saying, to be able to stop the run. These other guys, I don't think they fear uh, that much. So I think that's probably one of the main reasons if he is getting double team is because of the respect that they have for him and the lack of respect they have for the other guys. Uh, cool Sports Poems, thank you very much for the 1999, says, I wish we could cut ties with Dennis Allen, but since that probably won't happen, cut tie with Pete Carmichael, and maybe convince Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day to come be the offensive coordinator. Or who do you think might be a good OC, TJ? Look, uh, thank you very much for the 1999 uh, Cool Sports. Look, um, as far as the whole Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day situation, look, I don't see that happening. Uh, Lincoln Riley is making hand over fist with money. I, I cannot think that unless he was fired by USC, him coming to the National Football League being offensive coordinator, I mean, that's just not going to happen. So so is Ryan Day. I mean, I n- understand that, you know, Ohio State, you know, when it comes to bowl games and stuff like that, they're not doing what they normally used to do and all that. I get it, whatever. Uh, but they didn't fire him. They're probably not going to fire him unless uh, Urban Meyer decides to come back to the, to the school or something like that, and then all bets are off. But none of these guys are going to leave a comfortable position where they're making millions upon millions of dollars to be an offensive coordinator in the National Football League. But um, if there's one person that I'm looking at to be an offensive coordinator, uh, to me, it's going to sound crazy, but I I got to look at the same situations and I got to look at uh, what they actually need at the time. If the Saints are going to be moving forward and they're going to be looking at themselves as a Super Bowl contender or contending for championships, they're not going to be able to contend for a championship with the same quarterback room that they have right now. So I'm expecting for the New Orleans Saints to try to get better at the quarterback position. Rather, they're drafting a guy 
meditative, becoming aggressive. I've been using this scenario and I'm going to continue to use it until it can no longer be used. Uh, if the, the Saints make a deal with the Arizona Cardinals or the Indianapolis Colts to acquire Sean Payton as their head coach, you're looking at the fourth pick in a draft or the sixth pick in a draft. And that's where you can get guys like Will Levis. That's where you can get guys like C.J. Stroud. So if you're going to get the best out of those guys, you're going to need an offensive coordinator slash a quarterback whisperer type guy to be there. So if that's the case, my offensive coordinator that I'm looking at, I'm looking at Frank Reich. Frank Reich would be the first choice for offensive coordinator slash quarterback whisperer. Some people were talking about Eric Bieniemy. No, I don't. I don't. Guys don't leave offensive coordinator jobs that they are successful at to be an offensive coordinator somewhere else. They move up the ladder. So Eric Bieniemy is, in my opinion, is not going to leave Kansas City unless you know he becomes a head coach somewhere. So he's going to stay there until he finds a, a position. He's going to be with Andy Reid. Another person that I'll be looking at, and y'all can laugh all you want to, but the dude is like a really smart, intelligent uh, offensive coordinator, and that's Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett is another guy that I would have on the list. Uh, another uh, person that will be on the list, um, but I, I highly doubt that he will actually leave his situation because, it's like I said, it's the same job, but that would be Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey or Joe Brady. Guys don't leave situations to go to the same, be at the same position. They do it to move up. They get elevated, right? So those are some guys that I'm looking at in particular, and I'm looking at it based on uh, the, the need of the New Orleans Saints when it comes offensively because you need a guy that's going to help this quarterback, if he's a young guy, see the field. And you're also going to have to find a guy that's going to be able to put your best players in position to succeed. You can talk about Frank Wright all day, but under Frank Wright, Jonathan Taylor, who is the running back for the Indianapolis Colts, was out there putting up record numbers week after week before he was injured. All right, you can say whatever you want. You can say whatever you want to say about Carson Wentz, but he had his best year statistically when Frank Wright was his offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach. So this is the type of things that the New Orleans Saints need in order for them uh, to get over the hump. You need somebody that's going to be able to uh, get the most out of the best players that you have available and also be able to develop your young quarterback at that position. So those are some of the guys that I'm looking at uh, to help them develop and, and be, you know, what they need to be and live up to their true potential. You know, I don't buy, like, I understand uh, NFL and they have narratives and stuff like that, you know, but I, I look at guys, their track record, um, their ability to be able to, uh, you know, get the best out of guys. So that definitely would be, that definitely would be the guys that that are on my list. No, no doubt about that. But thank you very much for the question. Uh, next person uh, is Deontay Hardy. Um, look, I like Deontay Hardy when he first came into the league. He was a difference maker. He was a guy that was flipping the field. He was great on special teams. He he made plays. Uh, but he's a guy who's undersized. Uh, and you know he's always one hit away from being out four to six weeks. And you can tell the way that he was playing. Uh, at the beginning of the season, man, fumbling the football, muffing punts and all that kind of stuff like that. It, it just, you know, it just wasn't it just wasn't a good look. You you can tell that uh, Dennis Allen didn't have the confidence in him. I mean, it was it was times when I didn't even see this guy on the field for the most part. And I was wondering, like, did he play at all? So I think that when you look at a guy like Deontay Hardy, 
Um, he's probably going to end up leaving the New Orleans Saints. If I'm a betting man, I think that Deontay Hardy is probably going to end up playing for the New England Patriots. Uh, he, he fits that mode of what Bill Belichick likes uh, in a wide receiver. Uh, he's a guy that I feel like Bill Belichick probably can come up with different type of ways to use him. And I think that if under um, Bill Belichick, I think that Deontay Hardy might have a lot of people just wondering why the Saints didn't obtain, you know, attain him and keep him around. Because I just think that uh, he has a, a great skill set. I just think that he can be the focal point. Um, and I just think that it depends on who is the coach, you know, how how they use him. But I, I think he's probably going to end up playing for the Patriots or something like that and uh, end up being a really good, solid, uh, you know, difference maker uh, with that team. But, I mean, I think we we can all can agree that the writing is on the wall when it comes to Deontay Hardy. Um, I just think that it's just under a, a, a Dennis Allen, New Orleans Saints team, it's just not a good fit. Uh, next, uh, we have uh, Marcus Davenport. You know, Davenport, who is a unre uh, unrestricted free agent. Look, um, I said this before, so this might not be a surprise to absolutely no one, but uh, it's time for Marcus Davenport to exit stage left. Now, I'm not saying that the guy can't be good. I'm not saying that the guy is, you know, is, you know, just God awful. I just think that when I look at a guy, everybody just talking about potential, 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 you know, like it's only so it's only so many times that you can just talk about a guy's potential. And I, I think it's kind of, you, you, you know, to me, you know, it, it's almost like the same thing when people start talking about Jameis Winston to some folk, right? Everybody talking about the upside of Jameis Winston, his arm strength, his ability, this, that, and the third. And people are like, well, you know, everybody's talking about it, but we ain't seeing it, right? But I think it's a even worse because even though, you know, people have their reservations about Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston has shown in, in, in moments and in spots that he can be a really good quarterback. When it comes to Davenport, I mean, he flashes, and then all of a sudden, like, you forget he's on the team for three to four weeks. I like Davenport. I hope that he bounces back. He has a, he had a lot of injuries and a lot of things that he went through. He had to rehab. I think that, you know, he was out of shape. He looked like, you know, he didn't, doesn't look like uh, he's, like, in really good shape, like the best shape that he can possibly be in. No disrespect. I'm just calling it like it is. And honestly, man, I just think that some of the injuries that he's dealing with, I think that is messing with him psychologically and is affecting his play. Like everybody talking about, oh, the, the pressures and look and look what Davenport did to the offensive line. He just slung him to the side, but it's not equating to any type of production. Like people start talking about all 22s and showing them slinging guys to the left and slinging guys to the right. But when you look at his stat line, um, you know, one assist, one assisted tackle or something, no sacks, right? Like, I mean, I'm looking at this guy out here and, and it's just, it's just not working, man. You can get, you can get much more than what you're getting from Marcus Davenport. And I'm pretty sure like if he goes to the right situation, he might end up landing on his feet. And I can tell you this right now, I would not be upset watching this guy succeed somewhere else because I don't want to see this guy just flake out and just, you know what I'm saying? Just move. And people just like, man, this dude is a bum and a bust. I want to see that, man. I want to see this dude uh, live up to his potential, even if it's not with the new Orleans saints, but the New Orleans Saints can no longer sit around and allow this guy to try uh, to develop. You know, I, I don't I don't look at that. Right. And, you know, I was uh, 
talk I would well I wasn't talking, but I was actually watching uh the herd with Colin Carl Herd. And um, uh, you know, he had Sean Payton on his show almost every Monday. And uh Sean Payton was talking about, you know, you you drafting a prototype, right? You know, getting a guy, you know, that's supposed to be a certain size at that particular position. Look, I just think that, you know, Sean Payton is a great coach, but in some cases, I just think that that's just some of the things that he, he that he says. I just think that's a little bit passe. Like getting guys, it, you can tell that Sean Payton has a certain, like it, there's a certain uh, prototype, a prototypical defensive lineman that he likes. He likes those guys that are like six, 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 seven. And because I think there was a guy that was uh, at the combine. I don't know if it's Aiden Hutchinson or not. I don't know if it was one of those guys, but they end up doing really impressive, impressive on the bench pressing, right? I think they bench pressed like 225, like 30 some odd times. And um, Sean Payton tweeted, he was like, yeah, they're doing that because of short arms. I'm like, yeah, but I, I want to say it may have been Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, how are those short arms working for him right now, right? He has three interceptions. Yeah, he, he had Aiden Hutchinson, a defensive end, has more interceptions than any other se- uh, safety or cornerback on the New Orleans Saints team. And, you know what I'm saying, he, he has more sacks than at least about four or five of the guys that's, that's, that rotates on your defensive line. So all this stuff about, oh, guys need to have long wingspan, I mean, what, they may have long wingspan, but they only got one move, the bull rush, right? They push and they try to push the offensive lineman back into, into the pocket. Like, you need somebody that's going to be super athletic. Like, you, the, the NFL is changing. It's changing. And, he, and the guys like that, that are like the six, 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 seven guys. I just, I, I'm not look. I'm looking around, and these guys aren't making plays like some of these guys, like the Bosa brothers. I mean, the Bosa brothers, these guys like two sixty a piece. You know, Aiden Hutchinson, what are you about two sixty himself? You know, even even Aaron Donald for his position, like he's undersized. I, I don't, I do not believe that Aaron Donald, who plays an interior lineman position, is three hundred pounds. I, I do not believe that. At all. Like a lot of these guys that are on the smaller side, they're the ones that find a success. I don't feel like it's a coincidence that you're going you got guys like Caden Ellis, who is out here getting sack after sack. You know, like he's a linebacker, but Caden Ellis maybe like 240, 250. It's the speed, it's the twitch, right? It, it's the finesse moves that they come that come with them. It makes it it, it gives these big 300 pound offensive linemen fits. And I just think that when it comes to Davenport, I just think that, you know, unless he can bull rush his way to the quarterback, um, he's not getting home. So I don't know if he needs to work with somebody. I don't know if it's a a conditioning thing. I don't know what's going on. But you cannot sit around and wait for this guy to be everything that you want him to be. Like, I I, I think it's time. I think it's time to move on from this. And then another thing, I think that, it's not the fact that Marcus Davenport isn't good enough. This leads to the conversation or the topic that, uh, you know, Derek just uh, commented about, about Alante Taylor and Paulson Adebo. I don't think Alante Taylor is just that much better than Paulson Adebo. There are certain things and certain qualities I feel like players have that makes them better than the other and and it has absolutely nothing to do with athleticism and it has absolutely nothing to do with speed it has everything to do with a dog mentality 
is 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 rather you got that dog in you or you don't. And I just think that when it comes to Davenport, I think he has the skill set to be a really good uh, pass rusher. But I just think that he is missing that dog mentality. Like when I look at Marcus Davenport, I, I don't see I don't I won't say I don't see toughness because he is tough, but I don't see like that 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 edge that you you look at when you're looking at greats or when you're looking at guys that are multi-time pro bowlers or you're looking at guys you know that are out here that may be undersized they may come from a small school you would think that davenport coming from utsa would have a huge chip on his shoulder he would have a chip on his shoulder you know being a size that he is being athletic freak that he is you know having to go to a school like utsa not you know in in texas when you got Baylor, when you got the University of Texas, when you got Texas Tech, when you got Texas A&M, and all of those schools passed up on you and you're going there, you would think that you would come into the league and, and be wrecking shop because, you know, you didn't get the opportunity to go to one of those schools that were well-known. But it just seemed like it's just something that's missing. That's the difference between a good player and a great player. There are players that are out here that are just happy to be there, that are just happy to be in a lineup, they look in the crowd, they see their mama sitting in section 400 and they can wave at them and that's okay with them. And then they have these other guys out here, you know, they, they, they are dialed in, they're focused, they're driven, and they got that dog in them and, and they have that high motor and it's hard for anybody to stop them. And you may stop on one play, but they're going to keep on coming at the after you and they're going to try to get that quarterback down on the ground. And I feel like that is what is, what is missing when it comes to Marcus Davenport. Like I said, I don't think that it has anything to do with his athleticism. I don't think it has anything to do with his, you know, his abilities. I just think it has everything to do with that gear that you need, right? You you need that screw loose in order to play the game of football and play it at an elite level. And um, I just think that th- that is something that is missing. And I feel like that is the one thing that I feel like when it comes to Alante Taylor that he has over Paulson Adebo. There was a couple weeks ago, Alante Taylor was talking to the media and he said straight up, he said, no disrespect. But, you know, when I go out there, I'm coming after Marshawn Lattimore's job. Like for him to say something like that, like some people probably look at that like, oh, man, but no, I like it. I like it because it's saying, yeah, you may be, you know, all pro talent. You may be a multi-time pro bowler. You may be a shutdown corner. But guess what? I'm coming for your job. And. I want to be better than you. And when you can stand up there and say stuff like this, that is when you have that dog mentality. It's it's the moment when I realized that this dude was going to be something special, just like the same way when C.J. Gardner-Johnson, after the Saints played the 49ers and that that classic George Kittle run when he was on fourth and two and he got beat in coverage. I'm talking C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and he spoke to the media and he said, man, I'm a rookie. He said, I'm going to make mistakes. He said, but hey, it is what it is. He said, we're we, we going to play next week. When I saw that, I was like, man, this dude, this dude is different. When Elante Taylor started talking about he coming after Marshawn Lattimore's job, I knew he was different. That is when you can that's, – that's the difference between, you know, a guy that's just out there and a guy that, that has the, the undying will to be the absolute best. And if a guy doesn't have that, sometimes, no matter how talented they are, no matter how gifted they are, there are times where maybe a guy may show up on Sunday and talk some noise. Uh, maybe, you know what I'm saying, that guy may have a reputation of being, you know, a stone wall or something like that on the offensive line. 
And it might have that level of intimidation where you probably thinking in the back of your mind, I don't think I'm going to win this matchup. And if you have that in the back of your mind, more than likely, you're probably right. But let me read some of your comments. Uh, let's see. Uh, Yellow says, Trey Hendrickson has short arms and look what happened. Exactly. But the thing about it is, Yellow, once again, it's that dog mentality. The dude had a high motor. He never stopped. He never stopped. Like, if you look at Trey Hendrickson, Trey Hendrickson doesn't have a, a million uh, pass rushing moves. He doesn't. He goes after these offensive linemen with brute force, and he just wears them down over the course of time. And you need that. Once again, it's that animal instinct that you need to play positions at a high level. Winston has Drew, old quarterback coach, and his OC. He should have already learned something by now. Well, here's the thing. You know, my dog, I think that we, when we look at, oh, you know, Jameis Winston had P. Carmichael or he had, you know, Drew Brees. I mean, if you if you look at, okay, if you look at P. Carmichael, I mean, look at P. Carmichael. Let, let's, let's, let's just keep it a buck. It's pretty obvious that the offense that the Saints are running is not the same when Sean Payton was the one calling the players majority, I mean, for the majority of the time. It doesn't look the same. And I, I just think that it just, it, it's, it's hypocritical of us to not acknowledge that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we, we can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we, we got to be able to acknowledge that. We can't, like, we can't ignore that just for that because it doesn't fit our agenda. Sean Payton not being with the New Orleans Saints matters, right? His ability to be able to see things that the quarterback don't see to help them, uh, for them to like kind of navigate throughout the game, it is greatly missed, right? It's, it's, it's a testament to his greatness. There's a reason why Jameis Winston played at such a high level. <clears throat> he played at such a high level, higher than he probably ever played in his NFL career under Sean Payton. There's a reason. And there's a reason why, you know, when Sean Payton left, you know, you started to see some things, you know what I'm saying, that you, you know, you probably seen before. You They probably resemble why you feel like you were skeptical about them in the first place. But I just think that anybody that is out here just saying, oh, man, you know, you know Jameis had this, Jameis had that, you know, and not looking at the fact that he ain't got Sean Payton anymore, like that's not a big issue. It, it, it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, like to me, it's almost like Mike Tyson. Right. Mike Tyson's first trainer was a guy by the name of Customato. Customato was an older, you know, what I'm saying Italian gentleman who basically took Mike Tyson under his wing when he was 14 years old and turned him into the youngest heavyweight champion of the world. The thing about it is Customato was pretty up there in age when Mike Tyson was relatively young. Mike Tyson did not, you know, he started his career, he became the heavyweight champion of the world, but Customato wasn't around afterwards. And it was a reason why I feel like he kind of went off the deep end, right? You start to see, like, his, his, you know, his performance change. You start to see, like, his style change. You start to see him not really taking things more seriously. You know, it's a, di it's a difference when you have a guy like a Customato versus, you know, saying some other trainer that you probably don't have anymore that you're going to see a difference. You're going to see a difference when you have a top-notch coach in Sean Payton and he's no longer with the team. It's going to affect some guys. 
It's going to affect guys' performances. It's going to affect the offense. It's going to affect the way that the, the numbers that they're putting up. It's going to affect everything around the team. So if we're going to be talking about Jameis Winston, talking about what he ain't doing, we can at least sit up here and say, hey, you know, like, hey, you know, like, man, Sean Payton ain't here. Like, I don't, I don't think why, I don't understand why anybody just can't look at the fact that maybe this dude wasn't giving you what you wanted was because of Sean Payton. You know, Sean Payton plays a huge role in what the Saints have done and what they have become over the last almost 20 years. So that is, that. that's the way I, I'm looking at it. You know, like, I don't, I don't, I, I think that Sean Payton's absence played a huge role. And I've also, and not only, like, and here's the thing. I'm not going to criticize Jameis Winston because we didn't even give Jameis Winston the ability or opportunity to, to, to turn things around. Like, we, we didn't even give him a chance. What we did was we took our skepticism from when he first came to the team and we added that on and we added that on and we're like, well, you see, that's why we don't want him. But we didn't give this dude an opportunity to actually turn it around. And I don't feel bad about saying this because here's the reason why. What people people celebrate and talk about how great Joe Burrow is, justifiably so. But if you look at Joe Burrow over the last th- the first 3 weeks of the season, he had more interceptions thrown than Jameis Winston did. He was playing really really bad, right? He, I think the first game he threw like four interceptions in one game. But nobody was willing to like just completely like just write him off and be like, oh man, that, that Super Bowl uh hangover, it was just outlier. He's not that good. That's all I'm saying is our <coughs> thoughts and views and feelings about Jameis Winston when he first got to the team. And the reason why we didn't we didn't care for him, it, it we felt like it we were justified. And any like any line of trouble that we saw. We didn't care. We we just wanted to get it how we wanted. It. Like we don't care how we get it. We don't care about the back injury. We don't care about the the ACL or any foot injury that he's dealing with. The only thing that we cared about was being right at the end of the day. We don't know how this season would have turned out for him. We can say, oh man, he would have been throwing interception after interception after interception. We don't know that for sure. We don't like. We don't know if he would have been throwing a multiple interceptions or if this dude would have had the Saints playing at a high level. I can tell you this. You probably would have seen more. You would have seen bigger plays. You probably would have seen the playbook truly open up. You probably would have seen Chris Olave get to a thousand yards a lot faster. And you definitely probably would have seen uh, Alvin Kamara probably catching more passes out of the backfield. I can tell you that right now. But I mean, we can we sit up here and, and act like okay, we seen a couple games or I seen enough. We didn't even get this dude the opportunity really to turn it around. And the reason I feel like they didn't do that is because I don't think that Dennis Allen or P. Carmichael felt like they had what it took. I'm sorry. Look, it is what it is. They felt like they didn't have what it takes to reel in Jameis Winston. And they felt like a guy like Andy Dalton was more of somebody that's on their speed, you know. And I just think that they, it, took a, it took a special coach to take a gamble on a guy like Jameis Winston, and it was Sean Payton, and I don't think those guys had the confidence in themselves to be able to feel like they could have put Jameis Winston in the best position to succeed. That's just that's, that's just how I feel. And I just think that they felt like it was much easier to go with a guy like Andy Dalton, 
who probably you already know what he gonna do you know at the end of the day he ain't gonna surprise you he ain't gonna he ain't gonna try to go out there and try to make the play you know he gonna just go out there and just be as conservative as they've been all season long so uh, all i'm saying is man we can't we can't just sit up here like we can't just sit up here and just be like okay man we already know what was gonna happen no we don't we don't know what's gonna happen this dude, he, he probably could have, you know what I'm saying, threw some interceptions, or he probably could have just turned it around. But sitting up here saying that, oh, he would have did this, he would have did that, we don't know. That's cool, TJ. I respect that, but Jameis ain't it, uh, ain't it sorry. One uh, six and four part of the year doesn't change my view. Well, look, all I'm saying is, is you know, you know, it ain't got to change your view, but all I'm saying is the dude never really had opportunity to – like turn anything around or, or be able to change anything like he, he didn't you know as soon as like the first line of trouble started to happen i guess they felt like oh man this ain't it you know uh you know th- we don't want to go down this road or you know we're gonna go with andy because i mean to me i felt like that was they playing the whole time i think they they wanted andy to be the starter but they didn't want to alienate the fan base they didn't want to alienate the locker room so I think that Jameis came into the season on a short leash and I just felt like anywhere it went, they probably were going to try to go, get away from him anyway, because Andy Dalton is who they really wanted. Cause they felt like, you know, he was more on their speed. So, but I don't know, like I said, I, I just like, if, I would rather, I, I, I don't want to, <clears throat> I don't want to tell a person how the book is going to be, because I just read three pages. Like, I don't know how the book going in just because I read three pages. Uh, oh, that's all I'm saying. Like, we, we, I mean, I gotta, we gotta see the whole thing. But I mean, I'm not trying to turn this into, uh, you know, I, I know how I can go when people start talking about Jameis Winston. Everybody wanna talk about, oh, this happened. Like, I'm not turn, I'm not gonna turn this show or turn this episode into the J- Jameis Winston hour, like how we normally do every time we talk about, oh, the, is P. Carmichael fault? Oh, is, you know, I, I don't want to do this, man. So we're going to move on from that and we're going to talk about something else. Let me see if I can read, uh, you know, a couple more comments. Uh, let's see. Uh, once again, what about Traquan Smith? Uh, uh, <laughs> what about Traquan Smith? Uh, I'm going to hit you with that. Hell no, to the no, 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 hell to the no. That's old for him. It's old for him. Um, Traquan Smith had ample opportunities, just like I feel like Davenport has had, and it just didn't pan out. It, it just didn't pan out, so I just feel like it's over. Um, I think it's time for him to move on. Uh, there's always going to be a space for him somewhere. Um, I'm pretty sure, like he'll, you know, he'll end up uh, playing for somebody. You know, he'll end up playing for somebody team. You know, I don't think that his career is over, but as New Orleans Saint, I think it's over. Uh, I'm sorry, man. I, I'm look. I'm I'm no disrespect to Jameis Winston, but I, I I think it's just time for us to move on from this. I mean, I I get it. You know, every, like I said, every time Jameis Winston's name come up, you know, it elicits all these different type of emotions and stuff like that, man. But I'd rather talk about you know some of these other things. I, I think we just basically just you know are are insane at this particular point. Like we we talk, you know, we doing the same thing over and over again. We expecting a different result. And it's not gonna happen. Like how you feel about them is not gonna change. The way a person, another person feel about them is not gonna change. You're not gonna change anybody's mind. 
All right, we're going to go ahead and move on. We're going to go to uh, we're going to go to Jarvis Landry. Uh, Jarvis Landry uh, had that big game in week one. You know, they had that big catch that went over 100 yards, um, you know, against the Atlanta Falcons and then dealt with knee injuries. And it just seemed like, you know, he he just couldn't never get right. It, it seemed like he was, you know, always injured. And that's one of the main reasons why I feel like the free agency market was just so small for him going into the season. And I think that he signed his one-year deal because he thought he'll make a stop with the New Orleans Saints, you know, make some plays, get some touchdowns, uh, put some yards up, and then he'll be able to name his price going back out here in free agency again. But it just didn't pan out. Uh, look, Jarvis Landry, to me, look, I, I don't know if it's the fact that he was hurt or the fact that he just, you know, really legitimately is running like he has a piano on his back as of right now. But you can find something way, way way better than what Jarvis Landry has given you. Jarvis Landry has done absolutely nothing in the Saints uniform outside of week one. Like, seriously, except drop passes and you forget that he was out there. I got a lot of respect for Jarvis Landry. I know this might be blasphemous for a lot of people that are LSU fans that has watched this dude in college and watched him early in his career with Miami, but it is what it is. Um, he, he is not what the Saints need at this particular point like you can get yourself a guy late in one of these uh, rounds in the nfl draft and you can get this guy be opposite of uh, chris Olave, and he's probably going to be able to make some plays for you not to mention that you have found something in rasheed shaheed who i feel like probably uh when he gets off season workout when he's able to take part in some of these otas and mini camp and training camp he probably will end up being a really good threat uh, alongside chris Olave. Don't know what you're going to do with Michael Thomas, but even if Michael Thomas does not come back uh, or you decide to do something different with uh, Michael Thomas, at least you know that you got two young bulls out there that are going to be able to make some plays. I don't know if the New Orleans Saints want to get themselves another veteran out there, a guy that can go alongside these guys that can probably give you something that Michael Thomas uh, kind of gave you, not Michael Thomas because we know how special he is, but somebody that can give you uh, some of those tough catches, be able to make some of those contested catches. I don't know what you're going to do, um, but I will say this. Uh, you know, you got something with these two young guys. And if you want to add another young guy to it, fine. But Jarvis Landry don't need to be in the conversation going into this offseason. I hope that he ends up going to another team where he can bounce back and resurrect his career and, and do some things or, or what have you, you know, but. Well, we'll see. And then not only that, you know, it, this could be one of those situations where who knows, man, you might end up, you know, having a guy like Chris Olave, might end up having a guy like Rashid Shaheed. And depends on the quarterback you have, hey, we might get another LSU Tiger. Maybe Odell Beckham Jr. might end up finding his way to New Orleans. I know that might be, you know what I'm saying, something that's interesting. You know, uh, it depends on who your quarterback is. I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, he, he's the type of guy, you know, he already won a Super Bowl. Uh, and I think he pretty much, you know, already solidified himself. So now he's probably going to go somewhere where, you know, he can just, you know, play and just have fun and have a good time. So we'll see, you know, we'll see. Uh, but let's go ahead and we'll go to Juwan Johnson, who is a restricted free agent, which is a little bit different. All right. Restricted free agent is uh, a team can, um, a team can't offer you a contract. Right. And, the the team that you play for, you know, can counter offer it, right? So if you go out there and be like, okay, this team is offering me, I don't know, three years, 
I don't know, $21 million or something like that. We were like, okay, well, we'll offer you three years, $22 million. Well, you know, and then on top of that, you can also, you know, sign a clause where, you know, they, they can't negotiate with, you know, someone else. So I, I just, the way I look at it, it's, um, it's a no brainer for me. I mean, Juwan Johnson has been one of the bright spots of the new, this new Orleans Saints team. Like now, you know, be that as it may, He's dropped some passes, right? He dropped some passes that in, in crucial moments. Did it last week. Um, you know, and did it in Cleveland. I mean, I'll let you slide with that one because it was cold as all get out. But for the most part, like the guy has really uh, stepped up and he has really embraced the tight end role. Like he could have easily been like, man, I'm a wide receiver. This is ridiculous. And didn't embrace it. But it seemed like he has. And also I want to say, there's also, man, congratulations to Juwan Johnson and his wife. They're expecting their first child. So, uh, shouts out to you, Juwan. If you're watching this right now, man, shouts out to you, man. Outstanding job. You know what I'm saying? You've done this whole entire season. Um, um, wish you all the success and uh, congratulations once again to, uh, you know, on the, uh, you know, it's, it's a great time. You know what I'm saying? When you find out that you're going to be a parent, <laughs> you know, it's a great thing, man. So, shouts out to Juwan Johnson. But I, I, to me, pretty much a no-brainer you know what i'm saying it's pretty much a no-brainer uh i think that uh jawan johnson should be about as safe as anybody on this list uh he, he to me he's probably top priority like he's top priority um at the, like looking at this list i'm looking at guys I, I think that he probably like is first priority for everybody everybody on this list like so, yeah Looking at this list, I think he should be top priority. He's the guy that should be paid. I feel like he should get paid <clears throat> before Dave Ayamada does. Yes, I just said that. Yes, I really do feel that way. Uh, and last, the person, lastly, um, an individual we're going to talk about, I feel like that's just worth um, discussing, is Caden Ellis. Uh, Caden Ellis uh, had a really good, solid season as I uh, pull up his stats here. I'm going to try to pull up Caden Ellis' stats so I can kind of let you all know uh, exactly, you know, what we're actually been dealing with. Uh, Caden Ellis uh, has been with the Saints uh, for quite some time, been there for a few years, came out of University of Idaho. I want to say he was a seventh-round draft pick, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and, um, you know, he was a guy that was just supposed to just contribute on special teams, you know, maybe make the team, maybe not. Um, but he has really come into his own – this season, uh, he has 41 tackles, seven sacks, and two forced fumbles. Uh, Caden Ellis has had an up and down uh, career. Uh, you know, he played mostly on special teams. He was kind of a rotation guy. Uh, he dealt with some injuries. I know it was a, uh, a few years ago he was actually out for the season. Um, but he has definitely emerged as one of the top players on defense, and he has been a bright spot. He, he has been up there with the Jawan Johnsons. He has been up there with the Rashid Shahees. But I will say this. I'm always very skeptical. I am always, 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 always very skeptical when guys are on a contract year and they balling out of control. I'm just, I'm just wondering. Like, But I will say this. Every time the guy balls out, they end up being a contract year. The Saints end up letting them go. They end up going to another team, and they end up playing much, much better. Case in point, Trey Hendrickson. Had one of his best seasons, had, what, 15 and a half sacks or something like that. His last season with the New Orleans Saints, goes to Cincinnati, get that big contract, doubles down on it. Uh, you know, you had uh, Marcus Williams, had one of his best uh, defensive seasons, 
Saints didn't sign him back. Signs a three-year, $72 million contract with Baltimore. Before he got injured, I want to say he has four interceptions as of right now, and he missed about five or six games, which is incredible. All right? I mean, the list goes on and on. You got Von Bell. Von Bell was playing out his mind this last year with the New Orleans Saints. End up signing with the Cincinnati Bengals. Now he's one of the captains of the defense, and he is one of the leaders in interceptions in the National Football League. All I'm saying is I think that you might want to re-sign Caden Ellis, all right? This is not one of those situations. I'm skeptical about this because you wonder, like, where a guy is. Is a guy just, you know, out there playing because he understands that he can go out here and name his price on some progressive stuff? He can name his price. Or is he really just inspired and this is just him turning a corner? I think this is Caden Ellis turning a corner. And you do not want to let a guy like this go. You look at a guy like Demario Davis. I mean, he's still contributing in a major way, but he's still getting up there in age. You got Pete Warner, who is playing really well, but you need Caden Ellis on his team. You need Caden Ellis on his team, and he's a guy that can probably end up being one of those guys that can be a pass rusher that can give you double-digit sacks uh, throughout the year. So I definitely feel like you need to keep him. Um, he's a guy that I feel like you definitely want to sign back, and uh, I don't think it should be a mistake. Now, uh, if I'm if I'm looking at it in order, I'm saying Juwan Johnson at first, Caden Ellis is second, probably Davion Yamada, in my opinion, would be third. I mean, I don't know what the Saints' top priority would be, but those – that would be the way I feel about it. AKA um, says, uh, if we can get Troutman going, we will have a Pat level tight end duo. Look, I just think that sometimes we we have these expectations for guys. And, you know, if a guy doesn't live up to the expectations, we just kind of just throw him away. I think when you look at a guy like Adam Troutman, he came into the league out of the University of Dayton and he was a pass catching tight end. Right. And the, the the talk was, well, if he can learn how to be a better blocker, then he can probably be up there with Rob Gronkowski. I, I mean, I, I felt like he had like that type of ability. But then all of a sudden, I just felt like he embraced that tight end role to a point where he became a better blocker than he did a, a pass catcher. But here's the reality, folks. You don't have to be Travis Kelsey. Like, you don't have to be you know, like a, a George Kittle. Like, you don't have to be like one of these guys like this. Like, the Saints would get get guys like Benjamin Watson. You know, they, they would get guys like Jerry Cook. But guess who they had on the other side? They had, you know, like they, they had a, another tight end. They had Josh Hill. You know what I'm saying? Josh Hill was not a, a very good pass catcher. And, and most of the time, the same catches that you've seen Adam Troutman catch, those were the same type of catches Josh Hill would catch. But Josh Hill was more of a blocker. So it's not like there's there, there's not a place for a guy like Adam Trauma. He's just not what we expected for him to be. But thank thank goodness, Jawan Johnson is becoming what he, you know, what we need him to be. You know, the, the guy that can be like the Benjamin Watson, the guy that can be, you know, like the Jared Cook, the guy that is the pass catching tight end that can get you that yank, that can get you them touchdowns in the red zone. So I I'm Look, I just think that when we look at tight ends, the, the 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 position has changed so much that we look at it like, oh, if you're not Travis Kelsey, oh, if you're not Rob Gronkowski, oh, if you're not George Kittle, oh, if you're not Dallas Goddard, then you're, you're not good enough. Like, I think we tend to forget sometimes, like, tight ends' job for the most part is to block. And if you look at Adam Troutman, I mean, he's a pretty good blocker. 
you know, for for at the tight end position. So it's not like you, you know, don't don't need him. You know what I'm saying? Because he's a he's a better blocker than Jawan Johnson is. So there's still a place for him. Yeah, I just think that we when it comes to us like thinking like he's gonna be Gronk or he's gonna be, you know, one of these other top premier tight ends. I just think that we just need to lower our expectations about who Adam Troutman actually is. But I based on like what I'm seeing as far as him being, you know, a blocking tight end, he does a good job. <coughs> Excuse me. My thoughts at a wide receiver, Key Michael Thomas, because uh, he's just that dog, like you were talking about when he's healthy. Number two could be Chris Olave. Number three, Rashid Shahid, and then get uh, Quentin Johnston from TCU in the draft. Well, that's not that's not bad. A uh, cool sport. Look, I think that if you're going to keep Michael Thomas, you cannot just put emphasis on Michael Thomas like you would have this season. Like you got to play it as if, okay, he, we want him to be here, but he may not be here. If that makes sense. Right. So you want to put emphasis on like, you know, guys like the Chris Olave's like the Rashid Shahid's like you got to open up your playbook in order for them to be able to thrive because there's a strong possibility. And we've seen this over the last two seasons that Michael Thomas may not be in the plan. So you cannot just build your team around him or play the wait and see game, uh, waiting on Michael Thomas to actually uh, come around and, you know, and, 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 you know, and be that wide receiver. If he does great, but you know, if he doesn't, you know, like it, it is what it is, you know, but, but at the end of the day, you know, I mean, Having these type of guys that can give you this type of production is a really good thing. It's a really good thing. Oh, he's talking about Gronk and Hernandez. I thought he was talking about the current past tight ends. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> well, Hunter Henry and uh, with John o. Smith. Nah, you know, Hunter Henry, you know, he had, I mean, he's not bad. I just think that when he had like all those injuries early in his career with the Chargers, kind of slowed him down because he was a beast in Arkansas. When he was at the University of Arkansas, he was really, really good. Uh, finding a OC should be first order of business and then find a quarterback to run his system. I agree with that. I think I think that you cannot keep one with and, and keep the other. Rather, that's um, Dennis Allen or Pete Carmichael. And it looked like they're going to keep Dennis Allen, so I don't think you need to keep Pete Carmichael. But I'm pretty sure like how this is going to go to save face for Pete Carmichael they probably going to make an announcement that P. Carmichael stepped down. Uh, he, you know what I'm saying? He 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 resigned or something like that. It's, it's going to be something of that magnitude where, you know, he's, it's not going to be like, oh, you know, we fire you. It's going to be like, oh, he stepped down. And he might end up finding himself, you know, as an executive or somewhere with the Saints, or he might find himself somewhere coaching with uh, Sean Payton on his coaching staff, wherever he may be next year. Uh, this title says after the 2022 season, uh is already after for the eights via the cannons uh yeah okay they'll probably just kick uh mike into the slot and uh start rashid and alavi outside or maybe draft uh jsn to replace landry even though uh, you have bigger needs it wouldn't hurt yeah i think that if you get yourself another wide receiver you know um you know i i, I wouldn't be mad but i mean look it, it's not like top priority like I, I was like this past draft 
What up, TJ? What are your thoughts on Derek Carr coming to our team in 2023 season? Dalton needs trade to Las Vegas Raiders if Sean Payton is coming back to our team uh, for head coach and Dennis Allen uh, going to get fired or going back to the defensive coordinator position. I hope Derek Carr uh, going to help with offensive line in next uh, season. P. Carmichael needs to go and get another offensive coordinator, though, is my opinion. It's a lot there. Um, as far as the Derek Carr comment, I wouldn't be mad at Derek Carr, uh, you know, coming to the New Orleans Saints. I think that he's a solid guy. Um, I think that he can win you some games. I think that he can facilitate some comebacks. I, I think he has that type of ability. Uh, Andy Dalton uh, trading them to the Raiders, I, I think that's highly unlikely. And plus, on top of that, he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. So once uh, the season is over, he's no longer a member of the Saints unless they resign him. Uh, Sean Payton coming back to our team, I don't know if that's going to happen, especially like since how things have been going. Um, with with Dennis Allen, um, and um, I don't I don't see Sean Payton coming back. <clears throat> I don't think Sean Payton really wanted to coach the Saints like that anyway. So I think he kind of happy and excited that the Saints are turning the corner with Dennis Allen. Um, I think the Saints do need some help on offensive line. I think they need help at the guard position. I think it's time for them to draft a guy or sign a guy in the free agency. Maybe time to move on from Andrews Pete. And um, as far as the offensive coordinator with Pete Carmichael, I think that um, he'll end up like going somewhere else and uh, maybe being with Sean Payton. But I think he'll end up stepping down because I don't think the Saints going to be like trying to embarrass him or something like that. Oh, we fired. They fired Pete Carmichael. Because there were times when Pete Carmichael, you know, helped the Saints uh, in, in tough situations. You know, it, it, he helped him in, like, tough situation. You know what I'm saying? He won some games for him this year by some of the things that he did. You know, there were there were games where Dennis Allen looked inept and Pete Carmichael looked like the star, and there were games where uh, Dennis Allen looked like the star and Pete Carmichael looked inept. So, you know, that's the way it is. We got 234 people watching this right now. I ask that you hit the like button uh, if you have not already, and if you're new, Hit the subscription button. Trade Mike T. Tank for five seasons to find a franchise quarterback, fix salary cap, and win the Super Bowl. Easy plan. I am not trying to look at the Saints fail for five seasons. No. <laughs> no way. P. Uh, P. Carmichael going with Peyton, and we're going to be stuck with D.A. Oh, Lord. Well, I put it like this. And I said this before, if you can find a guy that, that has the that's the opposite of Dennis Allen, I think you will be okay. I mean, because look, one thing you can say about Dennis Allen is that he can coach defense. And if you can find a guy that's offensive coordinator that can help help this team and, you know what I'm saying, put up points on the board and come with some offensive innovation, I think it'll be a good combination. I don't know if you'll win a Super Bowl, but you'll win you'll win some games. I can tell you that, you know. I, I think that you just need somebody that's just opposite of that. I just think that Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen are pretty much the same. I think they're the same type of guy. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Tom Brady will retire officially and never come back to play. Enjoy being loser sucking there, fan. <laughs> Fire the cannons. They are uh, going to just be dusty in the museum once Brady leaves. 
Uh, yes, definitely need to be uh, looking into replacing Pete. Yeah, I agree with that. Your thoughts on the Skip Bayless situation? Um, I kind of talked about that in depth yesterday, Jordan. Also, man, if you check out uh, Twitter, uh, TJ Jones, 8 TJY Jones, 8, I actually put a clip up of me actually talking about it. You know, I, I kind of went into depth, went in depth with it, um, you know, and, you know, it kind of explains my thoughts and my feelings about that whole Skip Bayless situation. I just, you know, it's, un it's unfortunate. I think we all can agree with that, but, you know, like I said, I it, it, I I explained it in, in complete detail. Uh, if you follow on Twitter or you go to my uh, the State of the Saints podcast Facebook page, you'll be able to check that out too. I posted it there as well. That's the uh, trade Dalton to Atlanta. <laughs> Unless you think he is a twenty five million dollar quarterback, that should start fourteen games for you. Why would Atlanta want Andy Dalton? I think Andy Dalton, I mean, I think the Atlanta got the right guy and and um and Ritter. You know, I think Ritter is gonna be a good quarterback. He 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 doesn't lack confidence, I can tell you that. And that's 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 the thing that you need in order for you to be a successful quarterback. I think we looked at Desmond Ritter. Oh, he a rookie, man. That dude's gonna be a problem in a couple of years. Like if he keeps that same mind frame, the Saints better find a quarterback because they're gonna be in some shootouts. Uh, reload AK Davenport Pete Eagles the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Hope not. Uh, the only person I agree with on that was the AK. You know, uh, let's see Saints a OC with a track record and someone who can challenge the players and DA. That's why I say like Frank Reich. If Frank Reich can't get a, a head coaching job, please, pretty please, let him come to New Orleans. I, I love that Frank Reich. Guy's a smart guy. Um, he's a he's a good coach. You know, Indianapolis just just some idiots. Uh, Saints should go after Jim Harbaugh, get rid of DA. It's a business. Remember, what's best for the team? Jim Harbaugh is even talking about coming back to the NFL. Saints front office is making me angry right now. Well, you know, I just think that they maybe think that, you know, these games that they've been winning, they feel like the Saints are going in the right direction. Or, heck, um, we don't know what they're thinking. We'll find out, though, real soon. I already read that one. Also, a short yardage running back to pair alongside AK. I agree with that. They definitely need that. And uh, finally, uh, two things for 2023. Keep Caden Ellis and draft two-lane running back. Yeah, that I think that <laughs> I think a lot of people want, you know, him, especially after what they seen at the Cotton Bowl, which was impressive, man. That was absolutely impressive by the two-lane green wave. Unbelievable. I mean, Caleb Williams lighting it up, five touchdowns. You got uh, Braden Rice, son of Jerry Rice out there, you know what I'm saying, catching everything that come his way. And all these guys did was just don't give up and just fight to the end. And USC wide receiver who tried to feel the kick just made one of the most boneheaded decisions. I don't know, man. Somebody need to check, see if that boy had, had a phone call from a bookie. Because my goodness, that, that looked like some more – stayed fixed type stuff i was seen in my entire life i don't know if he got paid 20 g's like this uh documentary i was watching I i'm only joking when i'm saying this folks don't don't take this serious but um but that was just a bad play man i mean it, it was that was just man that that was like you ever like play football or play a video game with with your you know your little cousin or your little brother or something like that and 
you're beating the brakes off of them and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, like you kind of look over and you kind of see him like kind of tearing up because he really wants to score and he can't. So you're like, oh man, well, let me let me just do something crazy. Let me run out of bounds when I don't need to. Let me go back in and act like, oh, I pressed the wrong button. You know what I'm saying? Just to give him a safety. That's kind of like what it looked like in this game. You know, like, huh? Like, how can you make a play like that at that time? I, I get it. Like, if you ever been in that situation when it's, you know, like down to the wire, man, you do get a little nervous. You you you, you do be shaking a little bit. You know what I mean? You're like, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all don't want to mess up. You do be thinking about that stuff in the back of your mind. But uh, my goodness, what a what a bad time to make a play like that. But Tulane ended up winning the game. Best turnaround probably in, in – in, one of one of the greatest turnarounds in college football history. They were like two and ten last year. They're two and ten. Now they twelve and two. Like that's that's man, that's unbelievable. That is unfreaking believable, man. Shouts out to the two lane green wave. I know Maddie. Uh, shouts out to Maddie. Who that got? <laughs> man, I know she was on cloud nine uh, out there. Uh, shouts out to uh, Ross also, man. I mean, look, I got I got a special place um, in my heart for the two lane green wave. Like I said, man, I remember like going to all their home games uh, during that magical year when they went undefeated, when uh, Sean King was their quarterback, when they were playing in the Superdome. So uh, shouts out to uh, Tulane uh, winning the Cotton Bowl, man, because I'm pretty sure a lot of people probably didn't think they had a chance. Oh, Kayla Williams, he just won the Heisman Trophy and they they bested the Heisman Trophy winner, you know, so shouts out to him. And shouts out to you. Thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel youtube.com search the state of the saints podcast previous episodes available on apple podcast spotify iHeartRadio, anchor fm check us out on facebook.com search the state of the saints podcast and you can follow me on twitter at tjay jones eight once again tjay jones eight till next time all i gotta say is who that <laughs>